Welcome to Mocktails and Masterpieces with the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra. Today's episode is sponsored by Anthony Team Realty. Good evening. I'm Dana Stone, the Executive Director of the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra, and I'm here for a very special Mocktails and Masterpieces with composer Miguel de la Aguila. Um, Miguel, I will give you a moment to kind of introduce yourself and then I can talk about um, our exciting upcoming collaborations this year. Hi, Dana, pleasure to be here. Um, introduce myself, I'm obviously a composer, as you said, I've been writing music for a long time. I wrote probably, I think this concerto is opus 135. Uh, I, was born in Uruguay in South America. From there, I studied San Francisco Conservatory. I graduated there. I studied in Vienna in Austria, where I lived for 10 years. Uh, then I moved to Los Angeles. And then from there, five years ago, I moved to Seattle, which is my home now, Seattle, Washington. Um, and I've written musically, I've written a lot of music. I get about probably 200 concerts a year that I know of. A lot of people don't tell me when they do my music. Um, my, what is it, my 58th CD with my music came out recently. Uh, so lots of recordings and um, I, uh, is that enough for an introduction or should that I go on? That is perfect. On? No, that's a wonderful start. You know, I think um, ICO has a history of playing your pieces. Matthew Kramer, music director, is a fan of your music and, yeah. um, and it tends to kind of find its way into ICO programming. <laughs> so your name is familiar to our audiences, whether your faces or not. Um, and as you kind of alluded to, you know, you have an upcoming opus that will be performing a, a concerto con brio with... Um, clarinet and oboe in November. And this is kind of the kickoff of um, part of our 40th season, our commitment to new music and a special new relationship with Miguel, um, having him as our composer in residence this season for our 40th season. So um, Miguel, do, would you like to talk about that piece some or maybe some of the other musical influences that have inspired the, the creative way that you express yourself through music? Um, sure, well, uh, to start with your, the latter, um, my I, I grew up in Latin America, and I was I grew up in a little country exposed to the music from the whole world. So my childhood was really, and I lived there twenty years before I left. Um, I heard a lot of tango, and you can hear that in my music. Um, a lot of Caribbean music, a lot of Brazilian music, um, and. I was forced to leave my country then because of a military government. So when you leave a country and you can't go back, you carry everything inside of you, whatever memory is like a suitcase, right? And so it, I think all that, a lot of that music sort of uh, froze inside of me and it's, it made a, a big part of my language as a composer. Of course, with time you live in many cultures, you assimilate cultures and your language expands, but that's pretty much, I think, the core of my identity. We, I think, where we are as children has to has determines a big part of your identity, right? Even though if you you dyed your hair blonde or something, but it's you know mainly who you are. Uh, so the 
these pieces pretty much represent, you just did Salon Buenos Aires, obviously a piece that has a lot of tango and memories for me of Buenos Aires. And the previous piece uh, Matthew did actually uh, was uh, Concerto and Tango, which is a cello concerto. I think he did it with Erie Philharmonic or, yeah. He, he says that we, he mentioned it on the list of things that he's programmed. He doesn't yeah. say if it was with us or not. I <laughs> so think not he, did sure. it, he did it with you guys after Erie. I'm not sure. Okay. But I couldn't, go, I I couldn't go to that concert. So this will be the first time that I, that I visit you. I've, I've heard many performances, but I, in recordings. So it will be a joy to be there. Uh, now this piece, the double concerto for uh, oboe, clarinet, and orchestra, of which there is also a trio version with piano. Um, it was actually uh, the oboist, Nancy Ambrose, who started this whole thing. For a long time, she kept saying, I want to play, <clears throat> I want you to write a concerto. She wrote, she played a lot of my oboe music. And she started trying to find funding and through the University of Michigan, she finally found the funding to make this happen. Um, like everything, the pandemic threw everything out of whack, all dates, all. So this piece was written, finished in 2022, was supposed to premiere, it finished 22 early, I think. Um, but it, everything took a long time. So it's there dormant pretty much waiting for its premiere, which I don't like. I like finishing pieces and the next day um, go to the rehearsal because it's everything fresh in your head. Musicians don't like that, they'd like it sooner. Well, think of it, um, your music is, uh, I'm not that young, so if they take too long to premiere my music, you just start wondering, will I ever hear it? <laughs> so um, finally we, and. You know, it's an unusual piece. There are not many double concertos for oboe and clarinet, um, but it's a beautiful medium because both together, one has what the other doesn't and vice versa. Um, and they are a very light, very rhythmic um, ensemble, right? So um, the concerto is a full concerto, 18 minutes long, has three movements. First movement you will, I think here, maybe reminiscences from Salon Buenos Aires, there is tango, there is, but it becomes a little dramatic. The second movement, um, you know, I write music visually, I, I, I see music, right? So, um, and then out of that visual landscape where I'm in, when I'm writing music, I, I gather the notes and, and put it on a score. So. There are parts of the second movement that are very distant. Um, and I think I put the instructions on the music, on the score, just play like you are tired musicians playing in a cheap uh, nightclub at four in the morning. And so there is, there is some of that distance, uh, jazz uh, influence, um, and you will hear it in the music, right? And the last movement, it's, it's a very, uh, fast, very sort of happy Latin dance in many ways. It's in most of it is 13, 16, which is one of my favorite time signatures. 
don't ask me why I, my psychologist never arrived to a solution to that, uh, an answer to that question, but I feel comfortable in 1360. Um, so, which has a lot of influence from Brazilian bossa nova um, and light samba music. Um, but <clears throat> at the same time, I, I do love, I mean, my training was classical and I, I, I love, you know, the traditional and the use of the concerto form and the orchestra. So um, you may hear a lot of uh, the intention of our last movement of our concerto, very light, very sort of Mendelssohn, Haydn, uh, light final rondo movements, right? So, and yeah, that's what it is. It's a, a small orchestra because you want to hear the soloists. And there is a beautiful interplay between the soloists, which in this case, you know, the soloists are going to be mother and son. Um, <laughs> so that's going to be interesting to see who obeys who. Uh, the funny thing is the son is the clarinetist and the clarinetist is much louder and can cover the oboe if he wants. So it's going to be interesting to guess family relations, how they get along on this concerto. <laughs> I'm curious about that too. I think it'll be a really neat um, experience for audiences and I'm sure for them too, to be able to prepare this work together. Yeah. Um, and I see, of course, you mentioned to me earlier, we're the second orchestra to play the piece. It'll premiere um, earlier in the fall, um, but ours performance will be second and we're excited to be part of that consortium. I'm glad that you mentioned your um, complicated meter. Um, Matthew <laughs> mentioned that as one of the things that makes your music challenging for musicians um, and that it tends to happen a lot in the dance rhythms. Would you like to talk about that some more or share more about, I'm thinking of this from a singer's perspective. I don't even know how to start thinking about 1316. I don't think I could count that. I'm, oh, I'm sure the, uh, that's the, what every musician says at the beginning and <laughs> when, or when they look at the music, which must, must be very scary, yeah. uh, but when the moment I sing it, they say, oh, that's what it is. I'm sure if I sing the ostinato of the last woman, um, how is it? Um, to you, it sounds totally normal. I'm sure you could sing that without any problems. But when you see it written and it says 13, 16, everybody gets scared. Right, but because I use rhythms, um, to me, rhythm is like the cell that of which music is made out of. Um, the rhythm is what is the, the the what holds everything together. The rest is um, the finish of the fabric, or how elastic the fabric is, or how soft, or how thick or how much in thin for winter or how shiny it is, but the rhythm is the fabric, I believe. So, and why are my rhythms so irregular? Um, I don't know. A friend of mine, a violinist and conductor, Guillermo Figueroa, who's actually next year playing the my violin concerto in your area and in a few orchestras, uh, with a few orchestras, he once said in a, just like that, improv, improvising a, one of those pre-concert talks, he said, Miguel, um, I think he has a problem. And I, I was playing piano on that concert. And I, was, 
I think he suffers from rhythmic, no, musical arrhythmia. <laughs> and, and then he explained and he said he cannot stay in uh, regular time signatures. And, and he made, of course, it, it was a fun, funny remark, but it, um, it, I always felt like that. I always felt very bored in, when music stayed at one time meter too long. I, I just feel like I, my mind starts going off to a different time signature. When I hear Brahms, when I hear um, some of these composers, I, I just feel, okay, I heard enough three quarter uh, time signature. I can't anymore. I, you need to do, give me something, you know, at least one bar of three eights or something to, so yeah, uh, yeah it's, um, I, I can't explain it, but uh, very often part of, and that's what some musicians don't believe me, but very often um, when I'm writing music, I'm very careful to simplify the notation to make it easier for the musicians to read the rhythms. Mm -hmm. uh, some parts like concerto and tango, there is a part that's, uh, uh, it's like a hundred bars of shifting time signatures. And um, my publisher, I remember then said, you should rewrite this and it all fits in four four. Um, and I just did it. And you know what, they played it and it doesn't sound the same because I think part of the, the main reason for uh, what makes my time concept of time signature and rhythm difference from everybody else's idea is I don't believe that beats should be the same length. So I design music which has beats of different lengths within those beats of different lengths there, there are syncopations, but the syncopations happen <clears throat> on beats of different lengths. And if you turn those beats into beats of the same length, then the syncopations are gone or become very awkward. I don't know if that makes any sense for- No, it does. I'm not uh, sure if it'll make sense to many of our audience members, but um, it's well, fascinating to me. Um, and I, I know a lot of our, our audience members are musicians, so they probably are thinking to themselves, Okay, I, I see that. I, I see that. So for you, I know you mentioned that you see music when you write it. Um, for you, does the rhythm then come first and the melody second as you're as you're in your process, or is it somewhat simultaneous? Or it comes simultaneous. Okay, it comes simultaneous. Uh, sometimes there is very basic. Uh, I don't think of melody really. Uh, for me. I guess that would answer your question that rhythm comes first, but rhythm comes always associated to notes. Okay. Uh, like a third up and down or a fifth up and down. There is always some basic uh, note structure that comes with the rhythm. And then as the rhythm goes, the note grows, the notes the, also grow, the melody, but they, they are together. The, if you take, uh, there is no melody outside of the rhythm. And of course, in lyrical slower passages, then of course, melody has to take over because you can't make rhythm um, at, at a very, very low speed. Right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, let's take a quick moment to hear an excerpt from Salon Buenos Aires. This was the ICO's performance last April, um, actually just a few months ago. Um, enjoy. Miguel, thank you so much for sharing that work with us. I know that ICO has played a lot of your pieces over the past 10 years. Um, arguably, Matthew says, um, besides our previous composer in residence, you are um, our second most living composer that ICO has played. So it seems very suited that you join us this next season as composer in residence. But this is not your only residency in this upcoming season. Would you like to talk about um, some of your other exciting engagements? Yeah, no, I got two jobs uh, right there uh, in your backyard. Uh, the, I'm also going to be composer in residence of the Contemporary Music Festival, uh, Indiana State University, uh, which was a surprise. They, they just contacted me. And um, so um, we still don't have the program. I'm not sure we have the ensemble. The festival has changed a little this year, mm -hmm. uh, but they will be, I have a contract and everything. So there will be, it's uh, the end of October 25th to 28th. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to, so you're all invited to come to the festival and um, yeah, and then I'll be back for our concert, Concierto Combrio performance uh, November 18th with the orchestra. And I hope I spend more time then um, to, you know, get to meet uh, your audience and, and the local universities and musicians. And so that's pretty much the plan. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to 
be able to spend some time with with you with the orchestra and the musicians I'm excited as well i know i know i know that you have not been to indianapolis with us before at least um and of course we played multiples of your pieces so very excited to meet <laughs> you in real life and um and get to kind of share some of your musical um, knowledge with students here at butler and some other local institutions um, who we have long-standing partnerships with um i'm gonna ask uh, what else is exciting for you in the upcoming season or seasons what are you working on that you'd like to maybe tease about or share um, with our audiences no i what i'm working on i just i just finished a piece for flute and piano uh for april april play April uh, she commissioned my uh, submerged it's a trio for um, harp flute and viola which gets played a lot a lot a lot so she's a great flutist and I had fun writing this piece um, so that's what I just finished doing um, and what's come there are a few more performances of this Concerto Combrio, which you guys are doing just a month after its premiere, uh, planned for next year. Most of them are planned for next year. Uh, for the summer, I'm going to not be there, uh, but my music will be at all, many of the major music festivals, uh, Aspen, Baudoin, Boudouin Music Fest. I'm sorry I pronounced it in French. <laughs> um, uh, and then in Italy, there will be also a few. Um, there is uh, uh, Ritratti, Bari, Academia, Kijana. And then, strangely enough, Vilnius, the city of Vilnius in Lithuania, is celebrating 700 years. So there will be lots of concerts. And for some reason, they chose to perform my music a few times. And why not? Right? There is nothing like celebrating Bill News with Uruguayan American music. Uh, and so, um, and here, um, uh, Dali Quartet is doing my clocks at, at um, some uh, music in the mountains. Uh, and <coughs> that's all I remember. Yeah, well, that uh, sounds like an awful lot, to, an awful yeah, lot. Go to my website and- Yeah, definitely. I'm sure there is something happening in a city near you. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, Miguel, thank you so much for your time today. And we very much look forward to meeting you in November and to experiencing your music, uh, more of your music um, and sharing that with our audiences here. And for those of you that are interested in learning more about ICO programs, you can visit icomusic.org. We are currently, um, it is June. So season tickets, full season subscriptions are on sale exclusively until July 1 when some of our more advanced packages become available and then single tickets on August 1st. So we hope you will join us for the full season. There are still some great seats available. And Miguel, thank you again for your time and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. So do I. Looking forward to all this.